Hello and welcome back to the Diaries of a Lady Gardener podcast, hosted by me, the Lady Gardener. Get ready to hear from your favourite Instagram gardeners, allotmenteers, flower farmers and plant gurus on this season of the podcast. We'll be hearing people's stories of how they discovered the joy of gardening, learning about their growing spaces and of course hearing about their biggest achievements and fabulous garden fails, because we all have them. I hope you love listening to us chat about the things we've done in the name of plants just as much as we enjoy recording. And if you do, it would really mean the world to me if you could leave us a review because it really helps to get the word out to more planty people and share these amazing stories. This season is sponsored by Akai Outdoor Wear, which if you follow me on Instagram, you'll know that barely a day goes by that I'm not dressed head to toe in their clothing, which is really made to last. I live in their thermal outdoor skinny trousers during the winter, which are bramble proof, waterproof and wipeable, perfect for days at the farm or the allotment. I've certainly put them through their paces and have been so impressed with the comfortable fit and durability of each and every item. And I have quite the collection now. So if you're keen to add some Akai pieces to your wardrobe, they've kindly offered podcast listeners an exclusive discount. So head over to the website and use code DOALG20 for 20% off your orders over £50. This offer ends on the 31st of May 2023. In this episode, I was really excited to get the chance to interview my sister Tan, otherwise known as At The Garden Mum. We shared the exciting evolution of the Mini Gardeners Club, which Tan has recently taken over leading as we look to expand the programme across the UK. She's doing such an amazing job of connecting with schools, community groups and young people to spread our message and get the next generation growing. I've been so motivated by her enthusiasm to get this project off the ground, which has seen it go from a tiny seed of an idea to an absolute jungle of potential, and I can't wait to see where it goes next. There's even a little exclusive announcement about one of the most fabulous events we'll be at this year, so I hope you'll enjoy. Hello Tan, welcome to the podcast. Hello, it's nice to be here finally after five seasons of us planning to get an episode together. Yeah, we finally managed to schedule it in and super exciting because, do you know what, I actually feel like it's come at the perfect timing. There's so much going on with like the Mini Gardeners Club and lots of other projects we've got going this year and I feel like we could probably do six, seven, eight, nine, ten episodes but we're going to try and squeeze this into an hour and talk about all of the exciting things with you kind of leading a lot of the bigger projects that we're working on for the year yeah it's it's been a, a really exciting couple of years and um with all the different kind of things that happen in the garden and all the different aspects of what we do in our everyday lives and um yeah so the the this point is really kind of instrumental in in where we're going with our gardening journeys together and individually so it's exciting so for anyone who doesn't know quick introduction um tanya is my sister otherwise known as Tatiana Tan at the Garden Mum, um, the mother of the babies, the mini, the OG mini gardeners. The OG mini gardeners, <laughs> Finn and Noah, who um, are always featured on Shannon's Instagram and my own um, and are such a big part of everything we do. So it's quite nice because we don't often get to have a chance to sit down and have a cup of tea together and now we get to spend a whole hour chatting. <laughs> I know, no admin, no children for an hour. We can just sit and chat about all the things we love that are planting. Even though it's technically still work. Still this is work. still a working yeah. day. <laughs> so obviously I know a lot about your journey already because I've been there the whole time. But I would love to hear from your perspective, kind of your story of how you really got into gardening to the point that we're at now. So yeah, if you'd have um, if you'd have asked me five years ago if I would be um, one a mum to twins, um, self-employed, as a gardener of all things, um, I would have laughed at you and told you to go and do one. I think, um, but yeah, so it's it's really kind of evolved um, alongside your journey, and um, I think the garden became a really safe space for me. Um, I fell pregnant uh, just, well, nearly five years ago now. Um, I went away traveling and I came back to Shan with an allotment, the, f- the first plot. And um, and my, my journey as a mum was really terrifying. I had twins that were really poorly while I was pregnant who were born three months early. And um, one of the biggest, first and biggest days of um, me being in the garden was us building the sweet PTP. I was waiting for surgery, um, my children were really poorly in my belly and I was able to just exist in the garden and leave all the daily stress and all the worry that was going on behind us. Um, and then 
the children happened and the garden grew and they grew and those that first time we took my little tiny babies with uh, fins still on oxygen and we were able to go and sit in the sweet pea teepee and then as they kind of grew and the garden the allotment grew and started coming to life and this this whole gardening journey kind of sat alongside my journey as a mother and it it's still that safe space where we leave our worries at the door and the children come and, and seeing their noses in the grass for the first time and them knowing the difference between a daisy and a dahlia. Um, I think that my own journey has been so aligned with my motherhood journey. Um, buying my first house plants. Um, Mum actually, when I was in hospital with the babies having surgery, bought um, uh, she bought me a snowdrop. Um, and it's a really weird time of year for plants. And she didn't want to bring me flowers to the ward, but she bought me this snowdrop. Um, and the snowdrop really represented the children and it ended up in the boot of the car for weeks because we were flitting all over the country for different hospitals and when the snowdrop finally came out of the car it still survived and it carried on and bloomed the next year and my children have just bloomed in the same way as the garden does it's it's really quite magical definitely and I think it's been one of those kind of well, obviously when I started I wasn't super into gardening and we kind of were I guess, bumbling along the way. <laughs> and yes. it's that kind of like we were all learning so quickly about so many things at that time. Yeah. But I feel like there are so many, every year there's a really key moments of kind of like pure joy where we've gone and had like a little Christmas party at the allotment or a summer party where it absolutely torrential downpour rained for the entire day. Absolutely. It's really been, if in doubt, the garden is the place to be, whether we're having a good day, a bad day, a celebration, a commiseration, like... It's, it is our, our place and our safe space. Definitely. And I think for me, what I love, I love the babies with all my heart, but what I love the most is the kind of level of respect they have for the plants. Like I've seen other children, they go around, they're ripping leaves off, they're ripping flower heads off and they're a bit wild and unruly. And ours are wild, but they have a real, like watching them harvest the tulips last year, I was in tears at how de- gentle and delicate they could be and how they'd, They'd planted those bulbs in the autumn and I'd dig a hole and Finn would pass Noah the bulb and Noah would put it in and they'd cover it up and they'd go, bye tulip. And then to come full circle with them harvesting it and still treating them with that that same respect and kind of like magic moment of they just love it and they're so interested in everything and they want to pull up the carrots and sow seeds and things. So yeah, I think it's really... I I, um, my very recent past job was as an earliest practitioner and working in a nursery um and actually uh, the nursery I've worked in for the last year has been a really kind of garden-centered nursery but still even there you see children who don't know how to respect plants and don't know how to engage with the outdoors or nature and, and you kind of have to teach them which seems backwards because we all know how to be outside and we're all we all have that natural curiosity whether we're two or 22 or 50 we all can look at the garden with that sense of awe and wonder um and seeing it happen so naturally in our children because they were put in that environment where they could explore um they've then their natural journey has absolutely mirrored what is natural so to kind of share that has kind of been under like underpinned everything I've done certainly for the past two years and more so in in the future now well see this is a perfect kind of sidetrack into the next question so you are now the leader of the mini gardeners club but again can we go right back to the beginning of kind of where the mini gardeners came from Mm. so the mini gardeners club is um our enterprise projects um (laughs) i i I, i'm not sure what the quite right words are to use with it it's something that um has been a a monster of self-creation that has kind of gained momentum uh far quicker than we could have ever anticipated um and from um you doing business plans and looking at how you could involve a wider community into um your kind of garden journey and my journey with children and how we could share that um the mini gardens club came, kind of came about and so we started the mini gardens club last year last summer and it all started as kind of fleeting ideas we should we should work with children we you were doing adult workshops um we went to Hampton Court Palace um and did they had the allotment um a garden there which was at, at, oh an unbelievable experience um and one that we we haven't actually talked about enough really no um 
but it was such an experience in looking at brainstorming about how we could get this mini gardeners club started um, and we seized an opportunity. The nursery that I worked in had a garden that we could make the most of um, and we had free access to um, of a weekend. Um, and I know you were really hesitant. You were like, no, we're not ready. This is the next year plan. We don't have time. We've got the show. I was like, I'm so busy and I'm finishing my job and I just, I'm, I'm doing too much. I can't think of another thing. There was thing. so much on. There was too much going on, but it seemed like we had to seize that opportunity. So we ran a... Um, was it six weeks? Mm-hmm. Um, six weeks of um, summer workshops uh, on a Saturday morning where families and their children uh, from about two to eight, was it age-wise in the end, um, who came and joined us for two hours on a Saturday morning um, and they got involved in the garden. They built herb spirals. They did. Um, they built scarecrows. They had kind of mud pits. They did seed bombs. They did all these activities in the garden Um and there was just this real kind of, it was so exciting and people were asking for more and we were like, we don't know what next, we don't know what space to use. Um, and, and we had this, so this the summer programme really kick things off. And again, we weren't ready for it, but we had to seize this momentum while we had it. So um, I know that you started approaching schools for us because that was the next logical step. We didn't have a growing space that we could dedicate to um to running something so we had to have an existing garden that we could work in I think as well a lot of what came out of the summer program was the parents we it was a parents day and play and the parents loved the fact that they actually had that opportunity to go and do something with their children that was a bit different especially for the mums who work in the week and they didn't necessarily have time to go to the baby groups that ran in the week so it was great for them on the weekend and they were like we love this this is brilliant but we would also love it if we could drop the kids off for a couple of hours or mm. if you ran like a a kind of more integrated programme where we would actually look after their children for a few hours, a day, half a day, etc. And so it was that kind of trying to work through how we could reach more people that weren't able to come on a Saturday morning, but without having to invest in a big space of our own because mm. we just weren't there we, yet. So we I weren't ready to kind of provide that childcare element alongside mm. the garden. Um but we wanted to share this excitement and seeing how the children were engaging and seeing how much the parents loved it and the amount of parents that got involved in it um, the conversations we had with them about growing at home. Um, it really just, it, we had to seize it. So you kind of, we, we undenied about, do we find another space? Do we look at more weekend workshops? And life was so busy with us still having full-time jobs and still doing everything that we kind of couldn't fit it into our daily week so the only way to do it was to kind of branch into that education route and um and that was the next step um so we um approached two schools was it two schools initially I can't remember how we got into the schools so Lanky School I worked with a lady who was actually your teacher at school uh, at secondary school so I worked with her and she had said that her child's school had a big gardening space um but no one was looking after it and so she I sent her like my little kind of proposal packet that I had from writing a business plan for a little business course I'd done previously and I sent it over to her and I I went into the school for this meeting not really sure what to expect and how the response would be because we'd never done that before and we had we were like we've done six weeks of this program and it's been really successful and there's lots of things we could do depending on what you want and the head teacher was kind of like, I don't think you're going to want this space, but was, I'm going to show you the space and please don't feel like you're, you, you're obliged to take, take it on because it is wild. And I went to see the space and it's this amazing, like really interesting, well-established garden space that probably covers 250 square metres. It's bigger than the allotment, which is 180. Yeah. And it was like over our heads in brambles and nettles. And the first time I went in, I think I got a scratch on my face from one of the brambles that was hanging down. And although it was completely overgrown and a jungle, there was so much potential. And then she showed me the forest garden. And it just, I think they just needed someone to come in and know what to do with it. And in all all honesty, I didn't know what to do with it, but it's that kind of, you work through a process, you clear it and then 
analyse the space and no one really knew what was underneath there. So We knew that there was a garden there because we could see the greenhouse that was lost in the jungle. Yeah. And you could and we um we knew that there'd been a garden there before. We knew some of the people at the staff that still work at the school had been involved in the garden um when it was last usable. Um so we knew there was a garden under there, it just had to be uncovered. Yeah. And so we kind of started off with a plan of we'll do two hours a week. Um, and the, the essentially the primary goal was we want the space to be safe enough for the children to go out and it might take us three months to get there it might take us six months but ultimately that's the goal we're working towards of it will be amazing when we can finally get children out there and the head teacher suggested that we did um, a couple of volunteer days with the parents so the parents and children could come in on the weekends and they absolutely blew me away. They did the, the most incredible job and everyone came with all of their power tools and there was like a tree surgeon there who was helping us work out which trees were absolutely fine, which ones needed pruning. You had people with petrol strimmers so that they could clear through the brambles and nettles. And within two weekends, the space was unrecognisable. It was an unbelievable... I wasn't able to attend those um, due to other commitments. So it was amazing for Shannon to come back to me and go, look at this. Like, there's actually a garden in here. We are so... This is the response from the community around the school. They Everyone just really embraced it. And the, the energy from it was just so special that the whole community was invested in this space and invested into getting this garden back to a, a workable space and and if you look at it now like I've I've just taken on the the Lanky project um now that I've given up my full-time job and I've kind of we've done a handover process so I'm now able to run those workshops and it's a it's a completely usable space there's raised beds there's wildflowers popping up there's um the foundations of a stage space to be built um there's structures coming up and the children and the space is used more than just what the, the time that we spend in there it's lovely that we go in and spend um two hours a week um gardening and spending time with the children um where they really purposefully valuably get involved um and every week when I come there's something different so there's evidence every week that that school is using that space not just for the time that we come in but in their daily practice and it's it's amazing and it's so exciting as well because it's a new garden I remember when we were clearing it with the volunteers we'd be like, there's gravel, there's a gravel path, there's gravel, there's rotting wood here, there must have been something here. And it was that kind of uncovering a secret garden or mm. a once loved garden, as yeah. MJ Real Davies called, um, not MJ Real Davies, I've forgotten her name, Garden to Garnish. She said, oh, it's clearly a once loved garden. And now, as we're coming into the spring and you're seeing things start to pop up and we don't know what's there yet. So it's mm. that really exciting kind of every single time you go, there's something happening where you're like, oh, we've got daffodils. The bulbs or... that we didn't plant popping up. And it's yeah, it's so exciting. Um, and I'm, I'm so excited to see how that um, project carries on developing over the next few months. Um, I can't wait to host another community day. It's in the cards to get the community back in and see how far that space that they invested in has come. And, and it's a really... it's such a magical project definitely and I think that what's really great as well because it was our pilot project I feel like we've been given the freedom to kind of do what we think is best but with complete support from the school Mm. and so we've managed to apply for grants so we're currently in the local Tesco's um, for the community grants and hopefully we'll win a pot of money which we're going to kind of work on a bit of safety with some fencing we had grants from the North Devon Biosphere to do permaculture herb spirals and help with kind of some of the biodiversity with wildlife and things like that um so it's been just a really great I couldn't have asked for a better school for the pilot program Mm. because they've really embraced what we're trying to do and have supported us completely along the way and I think that the relationship will only grow from there we had a meeting the other day and we had so many ideas on what we can do next to make sure that the teachers know exactly what they can do with their classes and that it's a space that is there for everybody to use and it's not just for the people who know how to garden or for the people for the time that we're in the space we really want to make sure that everyone in the school can make the most of it yeah I I know I personally when I talk about the mini gardens club I talk about impact and I talk about how what we're doing has so much potential um and but making sure that we're clear that the impact that we're having is really meaningful and sustainable that actually whatever we do will continue long after we're gone in that school 
um, and it's really exciting. I mean, we're going to do some teacher training to kind of inspire the teachers and give them the confidence to take their, their lessons and their children outside. Um, and the schools got on board with the RHS Gardens for Schools programme. Um, and I think it's a re- it's really inspired us on how much we can do for so little. Mm-hmm. The school pays us for our time. And actually the money that they've spent outside of that is, is £60, isn't it? I think it? we had one load of compost and then everything else that we are going to buy will be funded by the grants that yeah, we've secured. So, so the school invested in our time and we've been able to put so much more investment in there. There's We've had donations of plants, we've had donations of soil, we've had donations of seeds. Um, and and the, the money that we've spent has come from funding that the, the time has been in to kind of invest in that. And um, it just shows how sustainable these things can be and how we can... There's, there's no excuse not to because mm-hmm. actually you, you can't say, oh, we don't have the money for that. Or we don't have the time for that because actually if you if you just give it a go, you can achieve so much. And it's been incredibly inspiring for me, I know, and, and gives us the momentum that the Mini Gardeners Club is is so needed um, and something that will be valuable across the, the next few years and, and far into the future. Definitely. So we've talked about our kind of golden goose um school projects and that's not to say that we don't have other golden goose schools it's just been the first one where we've really been able to kind of let loose um but we are now working well we have been working with another school but in a completely different way so we've had the learnings have been completely different because it's such a different project Mm. so the the lanky school project is one it's a really small school that have um at the point that they're in in their school cycle we're able to really jump on board um, we work with another school, um, Southmead, who is a bit of a larger school, um, who um, took us on to run after school clubs for them. Um, so we ran um, last, over the winter, uh, we ran in a gardening club one hour after school. Um, and we kind of did garden themed activities in the garden with the children. Um, and the children absolutely loved it. Um, it was really incredible to see how every week when we'd ask the children, what did we do last week? Why did we do that? And they would start talking to us about green manure and their parents would send us messages of what they were growing at home. And you could really see that we made a, a, a an impact on those children that attended the um, after school club. And since that project, we came to the end of that uh, term of um, after school clubs. Um, I've just had meetings with the head teacher again about how we're going to grow this project in the school. And we're just about to start another kind of project with them. Um, we're going to completely develop their EYFS garden, which is a really, really amazing space already. But nobody knows how to use it or how to manage it. So we're going to go in and, and revamp the garden um, and really build a curriculum into the garden and, and support the staff to know how to use it. Um, we're also going to... Um, run some SEN workshops so reaching children with special educational needs and disabilities um, to get them some extra input and really pair with the curriculum for them I mean there's so much learning in the garden um, that we can't do gardening without like valuing how much children learn whether it's maths whether it's science whether it's language whether it's personal skills like building their confidence and resilience there's so much in the garden that's there to be embraced um and that school really wants us to put those curriculum links in. Um, so we're going to be working with teachers to kind of fill the ch- the gaps the children have with the garden. So if they're struggling with maths, we will bring maths into the garden um, and really support those children to, to really boost their educational journeys whilst giving them the pleasures of being outside and improving the space, um, really kind of giving them something that the school can um can value and again it's it's looking at that impact we can touch seven children with an after-school club and then we start working with the children within their school time and we reach another group of children and when we work with developing a space we're then giving a space that a whole school community can benefit from by supporting the teachers with their kind of again how to bring their learning outside we then impact a whole nother category of people the the staff themselves um it always amazes me how much the adults that are involved in these projects benefit. These these are children's workshops that we're hosting here, but they're no different to our adult workshops. They all interlink so well. And actually, I, I know with the events that you run now, um, we did the outdoorsing event at the farm and it's just a mini gardeners club. It's, <laughs> it's really quite magical. And again, it looks at that impact of 
we're impacting the space we're impacting biodiversity we're impacting the the ground as uh, beneath us as as positively as we can and just reaching as many people and in hoping to inspire and give them that little spark of investment that to love the ground and whatever whatever your journey is as a gardener you're a gardener I always say if you've got one plant on a windowsill you're a gardener if you've got 10 acres you're a gardener if you have a plant you can be a gardener and I know my journey very much I would never say I was green fingered which is a funny phrase we always talk about Mm -hmm. I would say I'm still not a gardener but I am like and and sharing that that we can all just have a have a go have fun and not be afraid to get our fingers into the soil and just see what happens nature will do what nature will do so let's just enjoy it and I think as well the Southmead project is such a perfect example of why I haven't stepped away but I've kind of passed over the baton Mm. (laughs) because I am a gardener and I have the the my RHS RHS level two study knowledge and the experience of having done it for the last five years but what I don't have is the curriculum links and that real I guess passion for the early years ultimately I'm loving doing the mini gardeners club, but I'm not the best person with children and I don't necessarily understand how children learn and all of those really crucial things where you can kind of step in and fill that gap, whereas I can then step back and do more of the businessy side of things. So like I'm building the website and working on the marketing materials. And I think that it's one of those really important skills to learn to know when to step back from something and when to be like, right, my skills really lie in this, this and this. So I'm going to focus on the business side of things, the marketing and the gardening and kind of the garden plan, I think, will always be, we'll always work on that together. But actually the kids' sessions and kind of making sure that the children and the adults are getting the most out of the garden is more your domain in terms of you have that experience. Oh, absolutely. It's a real kind of, it's so lovely to work with you um, and it's it, we're able to marry our skills together that in something that's so tangible and so exciting. Um, and, and actually, I love working in education, I love working with children, but working in the education sector, getting paid minimum wage to raise other people's children um, is with, with so many boundaries that we're put on by curriculum and the government and what they expect us to provide is so unaligned with what children really need and what people really need um and this gives me the opportunity to work with children in a way that I feel is meaningful and valuable and it just it it, especially now being able to tap into that education settings and really make a difference Mm -hmm. is is so lovely and, and actually to know that where my skills lack Shannon's yours fill the gap um, and, and, and vice versa it, it, we we are able to build something because we have that skill share and it's nice to hang out with you at the same yeah. time <laughs> I think that we've both learned so much about both ourselves and each other as well through the process of like for example um, sometimes Tanya will book a meeting and I'm like oh no I can't make that meeting she's like no it's okay I'll move it and I'm like no I'm happy for you to do the meeting and she said like, no I, I like doing the meetings with you I'm happy to move it so that we can do it together and I think we're still in that initial kind of, we don't want to tread on each other's ch- toes, but I feel like we're getting to the point where it's quite like, right, I think this, do you agree? Mm. Okay, if you don't agree, let's chat through why you don't agree and how we might be able to work to a better solution. And 90% of the time, it's over a cup of tea where we're sat there going, right, we need to have a meeting about this. And then the we kind of go full circle, go completely off track and talk about a million and one other things. And then we loop back and go, do you know what? Actually, the meeting was to make a plan for this, but that's actually not the right thing for us now. Because if you consider all of the other things, it makes more sense for us to focus our energy on this aspect instead. Oh, 100%. Um, it's definitely, and like like I say, it's a, it, this this whole project is a monster that's growing far quicker than we can. And it it's so nice for us to sit down and kind of marry those things together and work out, um, together where the priorities are I mean I am at a stage where I've just quit my day job stopped working for the man and um, am following on a self-employment path the same way you are and as a business owner and to put myself in that headspace of being a small business owner who's who's capable of something and who's founding something is what a headspace that baffles me but knowing I'm not doing it alone um, the mini gardeners club might be my baby but it's not it's it's completely shared the same way things that you do with adult workshops and and your business you do that there that's your baby but you will tap in and 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 ask me for help and support when you need it and it's so nice to have those 
those two focuses that tie together so nicely and, and having that support and not being in it alone. I think especially the amount of people that you talk to when they're starting businesses about how lonely self-employment can be and how scary it can be when you've got all these things to do and, and all these things that you might not have done before, dealing with tax, dealing with business structure, dealing with marketing, pitching to people, all those things. Like I was absolutely terrified of pitching to a school. Um, and we'd done a few meetings together with different organisations. We'd been to Arlington Court to, for the National Trust and kind of I realised that I actually do have the knowledge and the skill set. I just needed the confidence to share it. And then when Shannon trusted me to go off to Southmead and um, and go meet this head teacher and, and see how I could move that project forward, it was so exciting that one, Shannon had filled me with the confidence that I could do it and was trusting me enough to do it and, and, and not mess it up. And to then come back and go, Shannon, this is what we're doing. This is the biome we've got from this school. And I'm so excited it's an unbelievable feeling, really. Yeah, and I trusted you the whole way along, but it's that kind of, sometimes the self-doubt is just, you can't hear anything else. Oh, imposter syndrome <laughs> is such a, a play in everyday life, and um, but not doing it alone is just, it's, it's amazing. And, and again, in the gardening world, a lot of what you do is so solitary. So to be able to do something that works with community, works with fellow gardeners, that works with different organisations, we're able to kind of support each other and support the community and 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 not be lonely in a self-employment venture and I think what I think I was talking about this at the outdoorsing event actually once upon a time I worked in the corporate marketing world and I thought that my entire purpose in life was just to move up the career ladder find the best job in London where they were going to pay me hundreds of thousands of pounds to work in marketing and then obviously as the allotment grew and my Instagram grew and kind of I decided that I did want to run my own business my mindset very gradually changed but even a year ago when people were saying about the value of community and how integrating with your local community is so valuable and how if you get out and go to these local events and meet local people it's going to open so many doors but I think I was just that person that was like yeah, but I just don't think they're going to be my kind of people. Mm. I don't think we're going to get on. I don't think that, that like they're not going to see things my way. And it was, it was quite selfish, but it's just a change of mindset. And I think the last six months especially, I think from the show, from Hampton Court Palace, when everyone kept offering me help and I kept saying, no, 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 I'm fine. I'm, fi- I'm fine on my own. And I wasn't really fine on my own. And it, it off, wasn't but... until the very end that I started accepting help and asking for help from people who were actually really wanted to help. And me saying no, they were like, oh, I really wanted to help. But I, in my head, I was burdening them with my problems and taking time out of their lives to do something for me. And so I think since that, it's definitely, we definitely now are a lot more integrated with the local community and having a conversation. So for example, Plastic Free North Devon, the people we worked with for the garden and we've spoken with them quite a few times and we knew them anyway and their kids came to mini gardeners and it was that kind of they've introduced us to other people and suggested talking to other people um one of the previous podcast guests equinox artisan meg she introduced us to arlington court and we started doing workshops there last year and now we're going to do a full calendar of events with them this year um and it's just that kind of we're now working with the libraries to run some sessions at the library and we're going to be doing um, the seed swap at the Broughton Countryside Centre. And actually having conversations with all those people has really enthused us all because it, what felt like we were trying to do something that no one else was really interested in. Actually, there's a lot of us that are all trying to achieve a similar goal of getting people outside and giving them the confidence to kind of do what we do and what we get so much value out of. But knowing that there's so many other people doing it in lots of different ways and that actually none of us are competing against each other. Everything that we do in our individual businesses just helps the other one because it's building awareness and kind of getting that message out there. So I think it's been really lovely to have that kind of real community spirit and getting to know other people who are passionate about the same things as us. Completely. I I, am... Another thing that I talk about a lot is connection. Um, My other job as a massage therapist um, is all about connection. It's looking at how people connect with themselves, how I can connect with somebody to support them on their wellness journey and their their kind of health. Um, 
and, and mental health and physical health and when we look at how we support people to connect with the earth and how we connect with each other, we live in such solitary like society where everyone's in competition and you, you can't share your business thoughts because somebody else might, might mm-hmm. jump on that bandwagon or disagree and actually we're really learning that talking to people is so valuable. And, 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 and if and they disagree, that's also fine because they might go, oh... I'm actually not sure that's going to work. Have you thought about doing it in this way? Mm, 100%. And actually, I think the, the amount of conversations we have that actually almost aren't... We, we get together for coffee with people um, and there's no... Well, there's no goal. We're not expecting anything from them and we're not expecting anything... And likewise, they're not expecting anything from us. And we're just building on that hive mind and that shared kind of thoughts and feelings and, and even people that don't work in our sector, like actually just sharing stuff together and, and connecting with each other, um, connecting with our environment, connecting with our communities and society, reflecting on things personally and on a wider sense. Like when we work in the garden, reflecting on what's going on in the garden, reflecting on the projects we're doing and, and, and again, tying back into that impact, actually, the amount of conversations we have that are just catch-ups over coffee that create so much momentum and, and they might not have like a we might not get a booking at the end of it but we might not have a financial gain from those but they're just as valuable as the pitch meetings that get us a booking because they just strengthen our mindset or clear something up or or change the way we think about something in just a slight way that just builds on everything that we do and mm. it's, it's it's exciting i hate the word networking because it sounds so corporate and formal but well, it's vital <laughs> and networking like if you just put if you just switch that for community connections, yeah, uh, is, it, which is exactly the same thing, that networking and, and that presence in our community and, and people knowing who we are. I mean, when we went um, and met with the Braunton Community uh, Countryside Centre the other week, um, there are so many people, it was very easy to feel like we were one body doing what we do and that nobody else is doing it in Devon. But actually there are so many similar projects working in different ways and if we could get us all into one room together, it would be so exciting. And it's definitely something that we're working on is building those network connections that actually... So we talk about building um, an outdoor calendar, which we've talked about with Arlington, the National Trust and the Countryside Centre. And actually getting one piece, one calendar that has all the events from all these different organisations. So actually we can share and all benefit from that. And actually we're all trying to reach people and actually making things easier for the people to connect with us as all our different businesses and organisations and charities and projects um, just opens doors. Actually, let's look after the, the fellow businesses and let's look after ourselves in that same way um, and gain momentum between, behind these projects and, and get away from big business and invest in those small local things that actually become national things when they're heard and when they're seen and when they're kind of valued definitely and that kind of like joining together to kind of I guess we've all got a shared goal and it works in so many different ways of like so we're going to the countryside center to participate in their seed swap and they wanted us to come there so that there was an extra activity for the day because it was really relevant and so people coming to swap seeds get added value we want to be there so that more people can learn about us and we can meet lots of other like-minded people and then we've shared it with our networks and it's that kind of um, like trickle down effect. I think that it. I feel like we are really in the loop and we know a lot about what's going on. And then someone goes, oh, have you heard about this group? They're doing this. And we're like, no, how do we not know that they're doing mm. that? And you think that it's so easy to reach everyone in your local area within an instant. And then when people don't book tickets or they don't come along to your event, you think, oh, well, no one's interested. And it's not that no one's interested. It's, it's just, just hard to reach every single person that would be interested so you have to use so many different methods which marketing 101 (laughs) but it's that kind of every time I hear about someone else doing something that's kind of similar it's really exciting but then you think why didn't we know about this sooner like we need to tell everyone that they're doing that because that's amazing and it's doing amazing things and it's getting away from that kind of fight or flight competitive feeling that it's so easy to go oh they're doing something similar to us well, they feel threatened if I message them. Actually, I really want to have a coffee with them because I'm really interested in their project and they might be really interested in ours and there might be potential for partnership and there might not, but it would be really interesting to hear about their journey mm. um, and for them to hear about ours and it can be really scary to reach out to those people for fear of 
whatever the result could be but actually I'm yet to have a bad response from reaching out to somebody uh, and I know it will come it will come at some point but what's the harm in sending an email what's the harm in starting a conversation Mm -hmm. and really again connecting it's it's lovely I mean the power of the email having worked in PR for the last five years I always thought email was powerful because that's how you get journalists to write about your stories but now you uh, the amount of times I send one email thinking I'll probably never get a response back um but I'll hedge my bets and see. And do you know what? This podcast would have never started if I hadn't have just gone, oh, will I email my first sponsors and see if they might be interested to support my podcast that has no listeners, no downloads because it's (laughs) brand new and I don't really know what I'm doing. And actually it's turned into something absolutely incredible. Just like, it's almost that you have to accept the fear of rejection and be like, do you know what? What, what, Literally, what is the worst that's going to happen? They don't email me back. And I think think that... That fear of failure, the garden absolutely supports you in Mm. that. Like, every time you put something in the ground, it could fail. Uh, We don't know what the conditions are going to be like. We don't know what's going to happen to those seeds or that bulb or whatever. We don't know. And I think that we're quite lucky to work in a, you know, with nature and with, like, they. what do they say? You should never work with uh, children, animals or nature because it's so unpredictable. Um, (laughs) But working in those sectors, working with those kind of people and, and plants and environment, um, you have to kind of put aside your fear of failure because what if it fails? Well, we'll do something differently next time. And then having that that mindset in business to go, what if it fails? Well, we're still going to give it a shot. Well, that's not an excuse not to send that email or not to reach mm. out to that person or not to have a go. We, <laughs> we're a big fan of the FOP telling people we're in a pilot phase i think we're well beyond the pilot phase but we'll always go this is the pilot phase of this and we'll just see what happens just in case something doesn't go exactly to plan but i think actually a perfect example of the fear of failure at like fear the failure and do it anyway last year when i first started running those growing workshops i needed to sell say like five tickets per workshop to cover my costs and i didn't I did some of my workshops. I begged my friends to come along because I didn't want there to only be one booked person sat there with me. I begged people to come along, and ultimately, none of my workshops sold anywhere near what I'd hoped they would. They, I lost money on all of them, and I was really, really downhearted and disappointed. And then, um, our local college Petrock got in touch, and I did a well-being day where they'd booked me for I think it was fifteen people, and then that felt like a really big success. But I was like, it's a one-off. Like I haven't got, I haven't pushed forward with this idea. And actually from that, the Mini Gardeners Club has happened and that has been really successful. And Petrock are just in discussions about booking that again this year. So actually what felt like a failure because no one came has kind of over the year trickled into, I mean, it's been a year, it would have been January 2022 that we started them. And actually, if you compare then to now, so much has happened. But after that first workshop, I was like, this was a big mistake. And this has failed. If you reflect back on, so those workshops might have been a flop, but actually you now do adult workshops just in a different way. They're not a private booked ticketed event. They're in partnership with Akai and um, with the colleges and and the mini gardens club and different bits and pieces, the libraries. Um, It was about, not changing what you were doing it was yeah. changing the way you were approaching it absolutely and I think that it's now working so successfully and the Akai outdoorsing event um I absolutely love Akai they sponsor the podcast I love their clothing the event was such an amazing networking event which I had never thought of it in that way but the, the fact that we got all of those like-minded people together and we had such brilliant conversations and really felt inspired and a lot of it was just people saying no but you are doing amazing like you might think that what you're doing isn't you should always you always think you should be doing better but actually like you have to look back on what you've achieved and kind of gave loads of suggestions on different people we could talk to for to kind of achieve the the next few steps in our goals so for example we need to find some land for one of our projects and Loads of people then said, oh, 
have you spoken to these people? Have you spoken to these people? Have you thought about getting in touch with these people? And we were like, no, we've never heard of any of these people. And had we have not been at this event talking about this specific thing, we might never have found out about those people. And that could potentially open the next big door for a next really big step for our project. So it's just very exciting. Mm. So going back on track with the questions, because I feel like we've gone off tangent, but that was good chat. <laughs> um let's talk about some of the exciting plans for this year we've kind of mentioned a few of them but go least to most exciting maybe so where we're at now and what's happening this year so we mentioned that the lanky project's continuing the south me project is about to uh, jump into its next phase and that's really exciting and um, on my to-do list is to approach some other schools and grow our local um project so to kind of get a few more schools involved um we've had um, the home education community reach out to us who are um want us to put on some workshops and support them in a community space potentially um so we're in conversations trying to look at some other workshops and other uh, communities people that can benefit from what we do um we're working with arlington court and the national trust to put on workshops um over the summer um well from the spring to the summer and we're looking at booking in those kind of pop-up events um we're looking at another couple of little local festivals and getting involved um where we can kind of share what we do and get people involved on that kind of small scale pop-up event um we're the big thing in the calendar that's been a will they won't they will they won't they um is hampton court palace so after our experience at Hampton Court Palace last year, um, Shannon's community allotment was the best week of our life. That Monday still is up there and one of my favourite days of all time. Same. Um, Incredible. Like, it's up there with, like, my wedding day level <laughs> of, of enjoyment. It was brilliant. Um, and we, looking at this year, we were like, oh, how are we going to do the show? We can't not do the show. We loved it so much that... But we couldn't... I know you couldn't afford to self-fund another project and garden and there was lots of times where there was like a oh we, we could do this this is really going to work out and then there was always just something either that didn't feel quite right or something that stopped us progressing and so mm. it was kind of I think we almost just said like look we might we probably won't be able to do anything this year we'll save it for next year and we've we'll got come so back many bigger. we're focusing on so many things maybe this year it's just too much of a stretch to be at the show and we looked at doing another show and again when we sat down and really looked at, okay, why are we doing this? What what can we achieve out of this? What what impact are we going to have? And we sat and went, do you know what? It's just not right for us right now. Um, and then we uh, pinged an email, the good old the power, power of an email, email. <laughs> and um, and broached an idea to um, the show organisers of Hampton Court Palace, um, and said, why don't we take the mini gardeners club to Hampton Court Palace? So um, really exciting that the for the Saturday and Sunday of Hampton Court Palace RHS Flower Show this year, um, the mini gardeners club will be there in full force, and we'll be providing um, a, a little snippet of what we do on a daily basis with children. Um, we're going to be doing some little workshopy bits and pieces, um, and hosting the mini gardeners club. Um, at Hampton Court Palace and um, yeah I'm really excited again the plans of exactly what we're going to do are still in 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 preparation um but it's so exciting to be know we're going to the show this year and actually it feels so right at the moment that for us to take the mini gardeners club to the show and what's great as well for those of you who don't know loads about all of the RHS shows so Hampton Court Palace is was rebranded the garden festival last year and it's one of the only shows that is really child friendly so last year they had the forest school tent and they had the forest school tent back this year and they said that they were excited to have something else to support the forest forest school they're really trying to grow their kind of family offering of the show and and really kind of make it more than just the posh hats and fancy dress festival that actually this is this is the family friendly festival that everyone is going to benefit from and get something out of and and oh and I'll be there in a fancy dress with my hands in the mud, absolutely living my best life. Um, I still love, we both, have, from the show last year, we both bought mugs that say, um, I'd rather be at Hampton Court Palace. And every time I drink tea out of that mug, I'm like, oh, I would rather be at Hampton Court Palace. So it's going to be so exciting to take our mugs back to the show and, and be back there and, and get to chat to so many people and do kind of our mini gardens activities with all the children and adults as well. We're not we're not just about the children. And it's really exciting as well because at the show last year, 
when we were at our garden, we were telling everybody how we're going to start this mini gardeners club and the first sessions over the summer are starting in the next couple of weeks and we'd like to approach schools and we'd like to do all this. And now a year later, we have achieved nearly everything. (laughs) Um, So it's going to be amazing to kind of go back in a completely different capacity less stressful in that there's no growing plants for the next six months to be taken in the van to drive up to London to set up for a full week of talking but it'll be lovely to be there for the two days and get to kind of share our message who knows who will meet while we're there Mm, so every opportunity leads to another opportunity so yeah it's, it's exciting absolutely so that's the big announcement and we've not talked about it anywhere else yet. And this until is the, the podcast f- is out, I won't mention it anymore. You will else. be the first people to hear about our Hampton Court Palace appearance. Yay! Um, let us know if you're coming. And follow us on Instagram at the Mini Gardeners Club um, because we'll be sharing like lots of preparation and information on there as well as on my Instagram, obviously. Um, but there's also another kind of exciting thing that we're working on, which has been talked about on Instagram, so you might have seen snippets. But we have our new Mini Gardeners Club leaders. Yeah, so the project is growing, again, the monster that's growing quicker than we can um, uh, really deal with. Um, We have always talked about how this could be a programme that could be rolled out across the country, Um, a little bit like Forest School, um, in that it's a movement that could, anyone can do this. Um, And we were like, what we'll do is when we'll write a curriculum, we'll write a programme that we can then train people to do and they can take it to their own areas. Um, and we weren't ready for it yet. And then people were asking us, and we had, I know you had quite so many messages going, I'd really like to do this in my area. I'd really like to do this with my local school. Um, how did you get started? How, how would you recommend we do it? So we decided to jump in with another pilot project, and we just put some feelers out to see who would be interested in becoming a Mini Gardeners Club leader. Um, would anyone like to join us on the journey? Um, and we, again, it's it's kind of that, again another pilot project but why build something to then share when we could share the process and actually have tap into that hive mind and and build something together so we've got um, a couple of lovely ladies who are um, actually it's today is the first um, training session who are gonna join us as mini gardeners club leaders um, and they are going to set up projects in their own areas um, across the country um, as well as in our local area as well um, and we're going to train them in in what we do as mini gardeners club leaders looking at how the sessions run what kind of activities we do we're going to support them in marketing and how to kind of sell their um, products to schools if that's the right words for it um, and kind of support them on their journey to build their own mini gardeners club um, and it, yeah it's they're going to help us as much as we help them. So instead of building a project to then share with them, they're going to build the project with us. So everything is kind of, um, yeah, I can't, I can't think what the word is. We're, we're going to build, tap into that real hive mind and, and again, valuing that connection, valuing other people's skills, valuing our skills and getting this message of get growing, don't be afraid to do it. And reach that impact across the country. Um, so it's super exciting. It's super nerve-wracking. Um, but that's the next step is uh, to grow the Mini Gardeners Club across the UK. Very exciting. Um, so that's kind of the plan for this year. We're going to train those. I think, do we have three or four? I think it's three. Three people. Train them, get them, help them get set up with essentially their own business, but under our label. Um, and then we hope to evolve it from there. So obviously we've gone quite ambitious, but five-year plan. Five-year plan. So in five years' time, um, we would like to have mini gardeners clubs all over the UK with leaders who are able to share their own growing journeys and share our growing messages um, with children and, and adults and everyone across the country really having these sustainable projects in their local area they can get involved with. Um, we have big plans that we will have our annual Mini Gardeners Club festival slash conference where we'll be able to get together all the leaders um, to kind of share their stories and share their messages and and value that community of growers um, and have a Mini Gardeners festival where we can host a little festival where children can come and get involved or families can get involved and, and 
we'll work in loads of partnership with loads of people who can bring their own things that tap into that same um, kind of sector that let's have some children's yoga, let's have loads of music, let's really give, embrace the environment and nature um, and share it with people across the country. And eat good homegrown food like oh, the yes. courgette cake yes. that we eat courgette every cake. mini gardeners. <laughs> yeah, so um, our local project will grow, um, our national project will grow and um, yeah, I, the, the momentum that's behind this and the potential it has would be wasted if we don't think big and jump for it so um i think to expand on that as well we've got we'd like to have ideally 50 leaders by yeah, five years time five years um and from my marketing i'm not a web developer but our brother is a top-notch web developer yeah. and i'm hoping he'll help us we'd like to build like a, an online platform so that people can do their training online. We'd love to do it in person as well, and we definitely want to offer that as a as an option. But I think the online platform will be an amazing place full of resources. And I think that the Instagram community has been so integral to my journey. Mm. I want people to have a place online where you don't... The problem is, is if you do something too localised, people can't get involved or they feel like they can't get involved and so we want to make it as accessible to as many people as possible um so there'll be like lots of videos and lots of creative um products on there and I just think it's gonna really turn into something pretty incredible Mm. um but the kind of thing that we're working on for this year as a it could be a longer term search because you never know how long it's going to take it but is to find that piece of community land Mm. the bit the, the, the bit that's missing is what we're missing from everything that we do is the right space. We are great at going and working in other people's spaces. Um, but actually, when we boil down all the bits and pieces that you do and that I do, what we need is a community garden. We need a community space that can be our hub where our mini gardeners club can come, where we can have a little market garden where people can come and do workshops and have a go with gardening and get involved make things accessible we'll have a little mini scale flower farm where people can come and uh, and get involved in the growing process and and embrace that wildness and have a a community garden where people can come and host other workshops and uh, create that hub that um pulls people together and gives them a space that they can all be valued and learn something wherever they're at in their journeys but get involved and that like learning on different scales so like there'll be an allotment section where people who are real beginners who just want it to be a hobby can come and try out allotment gardening without having to wait 10 years to get an allotment yeah we'll have a market garden where people can come and learn to grow food on a slightly larger scale and Mm. kind of what the difference is between growing on an allotment and a more commercial market garden scale and then the same with the flower farm and I think having that workshop space where you can really support people in all aspects of their growing experience at whatever level they're at whether they want to take the leap and become a flower farmer or whether they just want to take the leap and start growing vegetables in their shady back garden so it's definitely like a a think big dream big project Mm. but we've talked about it for such a long time now and I think that as soon as we find that space, we're going to be able to just expand on so much of mm. what we're doing already and have that real... Because we, we always want to work in schools and other people's spaces, but there's a lot of things that with our own space, we would be able to do so much more. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And and giving people the... Um, just the... Giving schools a space to come and visit us, to, to come on a field trip and yeah. and see a different space and learn something else and... And those communities that aren't in gardens. If you don't have a garden, come and garden in our garden. If you if you want something to do on the weekend, come and have a go in the garden. Just um, it's definitely the underpinning of of what all of our projects kind of focus on. Mm, absolutely. So yeah, so many exciting things to come, and I'm so grateful to be on this journey with you. Yeah. I feel like we're having the best time doing it, mm. and just really excited for what's to come and I think originally the mini gardeners club in my head was always like a a small nugget of like a side project and actually now I feel like it's really turned into this beast that we (laughs) we absolutely love but it's that kind of we we're at the point where we're now starting to go actually no it's not the right time to do that when people are asking us things, which is an exciting place to be when you're starting to say no to things. Mm. But it's that kind of, we want to make sure that everything we're doing, we're doing well. Mm. 
And so if we're running before we can walk, we're not, we might not be learning as well as along the journey. So I think it's that kind of going big, but not going too big that we're trying to do a million and one we things. We will still be here in five years. We won't have burnt out and gone, no, we <laughs> dream too big and we jumped too high and now we're drowning. We so uh, but yeah, those small steps, tapping into people's support, supporting other people and, and really, yeah, building something that's sustainable. I think it's, it's really... Definitely. Down to. Um, so we don't currently have a newsletter or anything set up, but that is in the pipeline for fairly soon. But where mm. can people find out more information? So you can find um, out a little bit more about the Mini Gardeners uh, project. Our website is now live um, and is is getting there. So um, there's some information there for now that's being built over the next few weeks. And that's www.theminigardenersclub.co.uk. Um, you can also find us on Facebook, The Mini Gardeners Club, and you can find us on Instagram at The Mini Gardeners Club. And if you want to register your interest to be a future leader, then you can email us. Mm, email us, uh, theminigardenersclub at gmail.com. And basically what we're going to do is add everyone who is interested in participating in the future to a list. And we'll create some kind of mailing list for that uh, in the future. But it's probably going to be another maybe six months or so until we're taking more people on. But mm. we would love to hear from you and hear any suggestions, feedback, yeah, and ideas, if, inspiration. If you've got growing stories with your children that you'd love to share with us, send us a message on Instagram, send us an email. We love hearing about um, other people's excitement for growing. Definitely. Well, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day today. Thank you for finally having me on the podcast. <laughs> Probably the first of many because I know that we have so many other gardening things that we'd like to talk about. Never again. She's never coming back. <laughs> you made it to the end of the episode, which means you must have enjoyed it. And if you did, I'd be ever so grateful if you could head to your favourite podcasting app to give us a follow and leave us a little review, which helps to get these stories out to more amazing planty people. If you've got any questions or stories you'd like to share, find me over at Diary of a Lady Gardener on Instagram. And don't forget to head to Akai for some fabulous new outdoor wear using the code DOALG20 for 20% off your order. That's all from me this week. Happy growing! Happy growing!